welcome to Abnormal Mapping, episode 92. I'm your host, M. With me is my regular Ooh. host, Jackson. That's a lot of podcasts. 92 podcasts. We're here. And that's not counting... Is there, there's only like one or two unnumbered ones, right? Yeah, the, I think there's two now. There's like that Witness Up mini episode. Yep. And is there anything... It might just be that. It might, <laughs> it might just, just be, be um, the... Uh, whatever they are. The The... The things that when we brought back old episodes and then decided that was a waste of time. Yeah. Yeah. Who has time to talk over your thing and find something else to say? We're too busy playing video games. <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, we barely both of us fit in a single ninety-minute shoot 'em up this month <laughs> to our video game. Play. Actually, that, you're back on the was, video game schedule. Yes, so. I. That was not the reason. The reason was much broader and more existential than that. I just w- went through a big phase of not caring about video games, and then uh, what happened? Oh, we dropped a game from our schedule coming up, which yes. I don't think we talked about in here. So don't worry about it. It's fine. Um, and uh, getting that off of my back made me feel much better about living. And then I bought Hades on the Epic Store, and that game's very good. So I started playing a bunch of that, uh, which I guess I could talk about here. That's a roguelike, kind of, from Super... I guess it is just a roguelike from Super Giant Games, who made Bastion. And if you go all the way back to the archives, you can find us talking about Transistor or Pyre, which I talked about on Novel Not New, um, and which is the other podcast I do about video games, uh, you know, visual novels specifically, uh, or things that have visual novel elements. And uh, in this game, you're the son of Hades, and you want to get out of hell and to do that you are going to try to get through the maze of the underworld uh despite your father's attempts to thwart you and y- it does it doesn't work every time it doesn't work and you come back and he's like see i told you, you couldn't do it you little piss ant you're like well i'm gonna try again <laughs> <laughs> that's good and everyone else is rooting for you because really you're not happy in hell you're of age and you want to go out and not live in the bottom of the underworld forever and uh, who can blame you it's a very good game it has really good story stuff uh the roguelike is very much in it's basically bastion like challenge rooms as like the as like an endless maze right it's very good at they know how to make a game where the combat feels good they do it that uh it's in early access still uh so there's no ending i don't think there's only three or four areas i have not made it to the third area yet so i I guess i don't know if there's an ending or not um there's like another weapon that still needs to go in and a couple characters and stuff like they're working on it but it it feels very what's there feels very refined uh in the way that you would expect a team like super giant to make and presumably at some point you will escape hell Yeah, yeah i assume so uh the game's not supposed to be like final out until next year so they're still working mm-hmm. on stuff uh, but that makes sense but i like when much... one of those games oh go ahead ha- i like when one of those games has like a goal right yes um i always think about that um you have to build a boat and ten thousand type stuff or yes. ten thousand ten million <laughs> ten million games that could ruin your life but they put an ending on them and they're just like you get there and they set you free <laughs> yeah uh, that's very nice <laughs> uh haiti seems like it might be like a depending on how good you are i guess could be like a 15 to 25 hour game you know has an ending i'm not gonna put the like 400 hours i put into binding of isaac into hades to be fair this is like when i um beat mom for the first time binding of isaac i was like well i beat that game <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. And you were like no i was Absolutely. like I, I felt such a satisfaction i'm free no not even close I was free. I don't really go back to it much. I've played a little bit more Binding of Isaac since then, but I haven't like made a push since the time I beat Mom. That was my real achievement. Mom barely registers to me as like a an Shut actual. Up. I'm free. I did it. 
It's like the first third of a run is the road to mom. It's, uh, I guess the equivalent would be Nunchuck Guy from Ninja Gaiden. From yes, me. basically. Um, yeah, I haven't played many video games this month. Uh, I've dabbled in a few things, but nothing like coherent to talk about. Played a bit of that Inazuma 11 football RPG. There you go. That's one How's of them. that? It's fine. Um, I like it, but I how does the like how it. does the RPG work? Is it just Blitzball? Yes. Oh, um, <laughs> I've no, seen it's, it's, uh, so it's it's like Blitzball, right? In that you are making plays, and every time you come into like contact with another person, and it's a tackle or a time to shoot or whatever, um, you know, you choose your move, just like Blitzball. And there's a it's a bit simplified. Like your moves will be uh, one on the left will be. Um, so it says the tackle. One on the left will be like uh, straight tackle, which will have a less chance of succeeding, but you will you will keep the ball. And the one on the right will be slide tackle, which will be more chance of getting rid of the ball for the opponent, but less chance that you'll actually get it because you know you slid it and tackled them. Um, so stuff like that throughout the game. The thing that's interesting and weird about it uh, is that it's all controlled on the touchscreen uh, on the DS. Uh, so you're like, it's in real time, and you're always like drawing lines of all the players, like, you run on this line, you run on this line, you run on this line, and there is a pause, but it's limited, so it's much more hectic than I, um, than I wanted for this kind of game. It, it, it's interesting, um, I didn't get that far in it, uh, but I do like it, I like the idea of a sports IPG, I'll probably play one of the later ones later, because the story's not very good, so I don't really care about going through them in order or anything. Uh, but I am very interested to see what the, uh, new one's like when there's no touchscreen, because that might be more my speed once they get rid of the weird trying to control multiple people in real time by drawing lines on the touchscreen. Uh, that's just not my not my speed on the DS. Oh, Revenant uh, Wings. Yeah. God, it sucked. I played about an hour of Revenant Wings like just to just to see what it was like. Oh, the DS. Would be, I love the DS. People made some mistakes with that thing. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> uh, but now it's gone, and we all miss it. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's that's as much content as I've got. Really, I don't have a have a good, okay. um, strong segment. I guess I could just give you another game I played. I played m- most of uh, Sigil, which is John Romero's Chia. fifth episode of Doom that he recently released. Um, by the time this goes up, it'll be free for everyone. Right now, you can pay a small fee to get a version with like a custom soundtrack he commissioned for it or whatever. Um, it's interesting in that like it's doom one and it's like really strictly doom one and that it you know there's like five enemies in doom yes. uh, and so you're gonna fight a lot of cacodemons and i hope you're okay with that uh and there's not a lot of like fancy tricks it's just it's just the doom mechanics and i think that's really good i saw uh i was looking around at people's reactions to this and some people are definitely like this is not like where map packs have gone for doom where people are doing really interesting things with the wads this just feels very like old-fashioned and creaky and i'm like yeah it's the fifth it's episode doom, doom. <laughs> yeah i don't know um, um i think i think it starts stronger than it's going. It has like, it's very uneven, uh, but you know, doom is uneven in that. I think sometimes it leans a little too heavily into like key door stuff that made doom Two not a game. I love, um, mm-hmm. I think it's the fifth map specifically was just like a weird it's, it was only like, it's like four buildings in a lava lake and you just have to like make your way through them. Uh, but it was just tricky in a way that I was not looking for. But the rest of the game so far has been really good. There's a good sense of, like, elevation that original Doom didn't really have, which I think is really neat, uh, considering Doom's not a game that cares about that. Like, the elevation's all fake, as far as the game's concerned. Um, 
So uh, I like it. I think it's worth checking out for free, obviously. Uh, the first couple levels are amazing. Uh, I, they have really good, strong sensibilities to them. Uh, it seems really cool. I don't want to be like, you know, because we're not authoritative. We haven't yeah. uh, ventured into the map pack scene. Um, but I am glad that there's just, hey, Jeremy, he's made some more Doom. Check it out. Yeah. It was uh, like a side thing for him to do for the 20th anniversary. Uh, that was it. That was his whole reason. Yeah, that's, that's very cool. I am excited to play more of that myself. It was also a good excuse to re-download Doom and GZ Doom, and maybe I'd just play more Doom in my life. Yeah, I had Z Doom, like I had Z Doom installed, but like since 2015. Yeah. Um, so there's a whole new version. There's new new letters and everything. I had a, a new front end that I had to install. Uh, Doom's changed a bit. I uh, always think, oh, maybe this year I'll do the like explore some Doom mods because there's very few games that feel as good as Doom to play, and I assume that the, like there've been. Over twenty years now of people making Doom Wads. Mm-hmm. Uh so I may as well explore that at some point. Yeah, um, I think that's all I've got though. So if you uh, don't have anything else, we should probably I, get into our game. Club. I have one more small thing. Um, okay, but it, it, you don't have to go too much into it. But I played the first hour of Final Fantasy VII last night just on a whim. We just, just can talk about Final Fantasy VII on every one of these, aren't we? Every single one. Okay, we're not going to do that, though. <laughs> no, it's fine. Uh, how's Final Fantasy VII? You know, it's, it's, it's amazing! It, in some ways, it's driven to the discussion we're about to have, because... It is! Yeah. Uh, so I loaded it up purely because we were playing Iron Hander, and I wanted to check it with my, like, um, you know, with my RetroArch setup. I played the PS1 version, uh, which, if you are fine with the um, slowness of not being able to speed the game up. It looks so much better on the PS1 one than the Switch ports and everything. Like, I've seen how they look. And they look fine, but the, the HD models on the background just ruins the aesthetic of those games completely. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you have the patience for the the battle speed of the PS1, then I would recommend you play them that way. Uh, but yeah, no, the first hour is great. I mean, this is a very cliche thing, but um, the bit when you get into a... Get get back to Tifa's hideout after the first the first mission, yes. uh, and the music starts playing, and there's the flashback. Um, it's incredible, uh, and I was just reminded in the middle of all the discourse and being all kind of grumpy about the remake and sad about Square Enix, which is just a permanent mood, right? Like yeah, for everyone yeah. since two thousand and two. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but in the middle of that, it was nice to remind myself that no, I this is this is legitimately really good and fun, uh, and the aesthetic is so strong and. Um, Probably not going to spend too much time with it uh, in the next couple of months, but I do want to play it before the remake comes out, just to remind myself. I'm glad we have effectively retrofitted you with the Square Enix sensibilities of a 40-year-old. <laughs> you have! You really yeah. have! Yeah. Operation success. Yeah. This is the fucking end of Metal Gear Solid 2 right now. <laughs> <laughs> um... I mean, that train sure does come into that station, and Cloud flips out, and it's the coolest thing that's ever happened. So it's so cool. And on every other version, you can see hard shift the moment it cuts from the FMV to the like static image, mm-hmm. and you can't see that on my fucking retroarch version where I'm playing on the PS1 with a CRT filter, like yes. a really obnoxious forty-year-old. No, it's fine. Um, I mean, that's what I, they're there for. The CRT was great. meant to ease through the op- like the rough spots like that where you can otherwise tell a transition because all the artifacting suddenly goes away. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. God, um, I'm I'm hoping that more people with the Switch version and everything uh, just play some Final Fantasy VII before the remake drops and everyone. Um, you know, Re-litigate the whole discussion goes. VII. Yeah, no, yeah. just enjoy it while it's pure. You got six months or so. Yeah. 
Uh, but that's that. That is that. Uh, we have no plans to cover the Final Fantasy VII remake for the record, so... We will podcast about that, and it will be in the form of on VoIP Life, you asking me what did you think of it. Because <laughs> yeah, I'm going to play it, and you're not going to touch it. I don't have any intention of playing that. Yeah, unless unless enough word of mouth is strong enough to overcome my lack of enthusiasm. Uh, it might overcome your lack of enthusiasm, but will it overcome your lack of $60 plus? Dollars? Uh, yeah, that's. I guess that's another question. And 30 plus hours for each part. <laughs> Yeah, who can say? Uh, who can say? I think that's it. Oh, we're going to hit some music, and then when we come back, we're going to talk about Einhander. Honda is a game developed by Square uh, for the PS1. It is a uh, side-scrolling shooter uh, where you play as a soldier from the moon engaged in war with Earth. Uh, and it is a described side-scrolling, school- yeah, side-scrolling shooter where you go through a bunch of levels and fight a bunch of robots and the Iron Honda is your ship. It is called that uh, because it has a single hand like a robot arm that kind of rotates around the ship and that attaches different weapons onto. Uh, so you can have like a Gatling gun and you, you switch the arms position and it'll either be under your ship or below the ship and both of those will have different firing angles, etc, etc. Uh, it came out in 1997. It is directed by uh, Tatsu Fuji. Uh, and it, yeah, it was a Square game from 1997 where they made a shooter, when Square made video games. <laughs> yeah, they, they had all these cool robot 3D models and explosion effects from Final Fantasy VII and they were like, let's put this in an action game. And that's what they did. And they did, and it's about fifty minutes long, if you know what you're doing. But they make yes. up for it. Yes, I mean that's by every. That's every, very hard. That's every shooter. Every shooter is yes. short if you know what you're doing. Which is good. Uh, it's the right way to do these. So this is the first uh, shmup we have covered on abnormal mapping. I guess we should yeah. talk a little bit about this. Do we want to call them shmups? Do we want to call them shooters? Do you have strong opinions about this? I 
don't know enough about the genre to like. I sh- I assume that those are like hard lines, right? That if you call a shooter, you know, there's a difference in these things. This is an R-type style scrolling shooter, uh, and some people assume shmup, shmup only means top-down bullet hell games. But I, I am not. I don't think that's the delineation. I just think people I don't know. hate it the way they hate Metroidvania. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. I'm saying that this is my like oh, okay. barely. I'm so outside the discussion that I no, assume these what happened. Lines what happened been... is the other, sh- the first person shooter became what shooters are called, and so shooters had to get a new name. They got <laughs> they did, um, but that's still good. That's still good. Uh, so I, I guess I'm going to go with shmup here. This is like a genre that we were, uh, we've just never really had. You know, kind of out of our wheelhouse. We've talked about this before. Formalist. Uh, like, strict formalist critique of video games always gets us in the weeds, and I don't really want to be that, but, like, I thought it was in- worth talking about, like, this is a genre we literally have not covered at all on this podcast. For 91 episodes prior. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of like a genre that I don't have a, like, I enjoy, but I don't have a ton of experience with. Like, I've played, you know, maybe like a dozen shmups. I'm going to say shmups. This is just what I say in my head. So sorry. Uh in in my life uh and i'm not like particularly great at any of them and i enjoy them but that's as far as it goes so we're a bit of a and i think you're even less than me right well i had a period as a teen and it was all based around finding as many like free bullet hell games i could download for a while there uh just to play on the pc um i didn't play too much of them but i've got like some affection for that stuff uh that I enjoy it quite a bit. I haven't played like R Type, and I'm less familiar with the side-scrolling type uh, style games. Okay. Um, but I, I think you should like, you should play R Type or Gradius. They're both I really good. Um, is it Grunt? Which which one is the game that had that wasn't Pac Man that had that second? Not you know was it Grunt? Was it Gradius? What are you talking about? The one that wasn't the championship edition. The one that had another one of those. Gradius Legions or something? Am I... What oh, am I, am I... no. Uh, that is uh, Galaga. Galaga! I'm getting that Galaga is an entire team. generation before. <laughs> there you go. This Galaga, is, how the Galaga is like slightly more advanced than Space Invaders. Uh, well, I like that XBLA game. <laughs> yeah. I have more experience with Galaga than Gradius then. There you go. These are the okay. takes. All right. So just so you know, if you're like, oh, they don't know the fucking first fucking thing about shooters. Yes. You're right. We don't. <laughs> Correct. Just... I just, this is one of these, this is a game that I had as a kid on a demo desk for PlayStation. And I played the, the demo, which was like the first up to the first boss many, many times and never actually got around to playing the full video game because I never owned it. And I've always wanted to do it. It's kind of been like lingering on our maybe list forever. And, yes. uh, you know, we wanted a short break and this is a short game. So this is what we did. Uh, which is why, if you look at the runtime of this episode, it's probably hovering around 40 minutes, would be my guess. <laughs> yeah, no, this isn't going to be a very big discussion, um, but we did we did have a good time with it. Yeah. Uh, so do you want to talk a bit about... Uh, what, do you, what, what do you want to cover? Do you want to cover the part where this is fake Gundam but stupid, or the part where it's a cool <laughs> video game? Uh, we, sh- we should cover the part where it's fake Gundam but stupid at the end. Okay. Because uh, that that's super added onto it it's so peripheral to what the game is about it's mostly just evocative um like the things that it's doing are it is a shooter first and then it is an evocative tour through aesthetic second uh and then right down at the bottom of the list there is technically a story um that suddenly at the end pretends that it mattered all along because it's a square game and you know square games have proper stories um, yeah, suddenly a funny. bunch of cg cutscenes show up you're like man yeah. they did not have final messy money, money. No. no, but the Square had enough money to throw it at this, apparently. Yes. 
this and two Paradise Eve games. Yep. So you play as the Einhander, uh, who is the pilot sent uh, from the moon um, to the Earth, right? Uh, this hander came from the moon. Okay. Um, and the 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 setup is that like Earth uh, is ruled by this kind of like big. T- okay, stuff you've heard this before. Earth is ruled by this massive kind of hegemon that controls everything. Uh, and in space, there are like second-class citizens determined by the fact that they don't live on Earth, uh, and that's that's caused a war. And now you're in the middle of that war. Um, I guess we. I guess I lied. We are already doing this discussion, so we should just get out of the way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you go and you blow a bunch of stuff up, and then you they're like, "Well, they're sending a big rocket up to space to take us out. You need to take that out, and then you do that." And then it turns out, actually, all governments are bad. And you, yeah. after they collect the data of you destroying everyone, they're like, well, now it's time to test that data against you by destroying you. And then you say no, and you commit treason and blow up the big moon forces a satellite, which ends the war by destroying both sides, because if both sides are disarmed, no one is. Uh, yeah, it's the... Um... <laughs> which is not... That, that is a bad metaphor. I did not... I know it's... I know that doesn't work. <laughs> the um <laughs> the point of the game is that like you start by going to this big city and there's a cool neon city that you're flying through having all this cinema stuff but then shortly after that it, like you leave the city and earth is just a wasteland uh, yep. it's a wasteland uh, and there's either just massive terrains of desert stretching out there with like a train or you're just in military bases yeah uh, uh, it's like it's like over the course of the night and into the dawn because you come out from underground uh, and the sun is rising and there's just nothing it's just a military base and wasteland the coolest moment in the entire game is where you rise from the elevator and it's dawn and you're just at the end of Miller link um, yes as all these billions of i not, not a reference anyone here will understand but as all these billions of missiles are firing off in the sky it, it like in this military base around you and you're having a fight and dawn is breaking uh it's so cool um and yeah the you realize that earth is not the utopia it was told to be these are just two governments forcing a war because they can against the common people what if we revealed that truth and then war ends and yep. he does, and they do. Do you want to read the thing from the ending that you took a screenshot of? Because it's hilarious. Yeah, so uh, the, the it says, Gradually, the people on each side became aware of the conditions of the other, naturally leading to the end of the war. Although no utopia, a temporary balance fell over the world again. Naturally leading to the end of the war? Yeah, naturally. naturally if you just blow up both militaries, no one can fight anymore. When you get on stage and say, materially, this makes no sense. We are aligned in our interests. That actually solves all the problems. Yeah. It's very silly, but also the game's not about any of this. So it's just it's just funny for us as people who are, I guess, primarily noted for our Gundam podcast to just see yeah. fake Gundam and everything. Yeah, this one wasn't even intentional. The Titanfall one was intentional. This was just, we didn't know. Um, but it was very yeah. funny. Yeah. Uh, ridiculous. But what actually is about is one cool ship blowing up a city in, in neon signs in the middle of the night as opera techno plays, and it's oh. the fucking coolest thing in the world. The soundtrack is so cool. The aesthetic is incredible with this game. Yes. Um, I, I ended up not, like... I struggled a lot with the game part, right? I, I think it's very hard. Uh, yes. If you, if you want to play this game, play the Japanese version, which has an easy mode with infinite continues. 
Or play yeah. it on a play it on an emulator where you can save state, or both, actually, ideally. I played it on an emulator where I could save state. It wasn't ideal. Um, I assume the Japanese mode might be easier with the continues and stuff. Yes. Uh, but it definitely got to the point with, for me with, like, I was... Just say it's, like, having to do the same... Because I don't want to save, save state every two seconds. That's not yeah. fun. Um, and I was just ending up doing the same sequences over and over and over again because everything had to be, like, perfectly pattern-memorized. Um, and this is because a couple of reasons. Uh, the game doesn't have, like, a health system. Uh, the closest it gets is you can kind of use your weapons as, like, defense from the bullets. Yeah. Um, like, if if your weapons get hit, they can take, like, three hits. Uh, whereas if you get hit, you can take one hit. So you can, like, switch your arm around to try to, um, you know, uh, deflect the bullets. But it's not it's not as reliable as you want. Uh, it's unclear where your hitbox actually is also. Um, because it's, it's not like uh, a bullet hell game where... Because it never gets to that level of intensity. But it means you also don't have, like, the, the glowing pip that is your true hitbox. Uh, there's no indicate, Even though the, your hitbox is clearly smaller than the ship. Um... And also the aesthetics of the game are so wild at all times that it's often hard to make out like background effects and bullets and everything. And I oft I found myself dying a lot, not realizing what hit me all and why. Uh, so I thought like as a shooter, it was kind of messy. Um, but the strength of the fact that you're going through like neon cities with uh, techno choirs singing the whole time uh, pulled it through. I had a great time with it. Yeah, I also uh, had a good time, despite the fact that it is definitely too hard, even in that version, um, where you have unlimited continues. Because even if you have unlimited continues, it doesn't help when you die at the boss, and then it only gives you one weapon to use against it, right? Like, at some point, you stop being stacked, and I didn't have save states, so it's like, I guess I'm just going to do this with a chain gun, and that's how this is going to work. And save states aren't really as helpful as you'd want, because they just end up resetting you. Like, I want a mode of this game that allows you, like, lets you have five hits rather than one, right? I want yeah. uh, something that allows you to have a bit more elasticity in what it considers failure. Because then you get what's fun about these games, which is, like, holding on, trying to not get hit on your final that shot. Is just, then... That is just not what this genre was for a very, very long time. The idea of health in a in a yeah. shmup is, like, a relatively recent thing. Okay, that, ma- that makes sense, and I understand where this comes from as, like, a, a arcade convention, right? Because this is yes. just an arcade game that they made on the PS1 and didn't even put out in arcades because they didn't have to because it was 1997 and they had all the money in the world. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I understand that. I, yeah, uh, it definitely, like, bristled against my sensibilities, but that was to be understood. That was to be expected, considering, mm-hmm. like, what I'm coming to. Like, this isn't my genre. Yeah. That's all very fair. Uh, And yeah, part of the thing is this is a game Square literally used, like, they continued their experiments at 3D that they started with Final Fantasy VII. That's why we're joking about Final Fantasy VII. Uh, A lot of the world, like, ship aesthetics look like what if Final Fantasy VII enemies had textures, uh, basically. Uh, Just straight transplants. And then a lot of the explosion effects are literally the same ones, and they've admitted as much. Uh, And so you have this, like very ambitious for 97 as far as i can tell like really cinematic 3d like 3d modeled shooter where you know the camera's constantly swooping where its perspective is at and there's this big vast sense of space for a game that is like entirely in 3d uh a lot of these would have just been like 2d like backgrounds of 3d models or you know or the the uh worst one the super castlevania 4 of uh 
3D backgrounds and 2D models. Um, anyway, with all of that said, uh, I like the the aesthetics of this game are so good, and it's unfortunate that they get in the way of the game a lot of the time because yep. the camera is so zoomed in and so oh, like often so pitches about wildly to show you what the cool thing is in a way that does not give a crap about your ability to dodge things because you can't see them <laughs> or like move back because everything is so cramped that you just feel like closed in and then stuff will hit you. And I don't think the game is particularly well balanced for how narrow that field of view is. It's definitely not like there's definitely some bosses where I'm like, I need to have more space to see what's happening here. Um, and you'll be like shooting at things that'll be just at such a screen. Uh, and it's frustrating because when it will do a cool camera thing, right? Like there's a bit later on when you're going inside one of the bases and it basically does the Final Fantasy VII shot of the Shimmer building, uh, where you see the the like your entrance in the background in the distance, but behind that even bigger base in the distance. And these are all like 3D models of different sizes, and the way that they get scale in this PS1 game is wild. Like it really seems like that's a real building, just miles in the distance. Uh, and it's very impressive uh, what they're able to achieve. Uh, yeah. which is a shame for considering like when you're playing it, you're like ah shit every 10 seconds yes like you get to like the first boss which is this big walker crane thing and if you don't shoot the bottom thing like the big like almost like elephant trunk arm that comes off it it's just gonna swing it at you and as far as i yep. can tell you can't dodge it if you don't blow it off i don't know yeah i don't know there are definitely things like that where i'm like i've just got to try to get this as quick as i can yep uh, it's strange because, like, yeah, my most of my sensibility with uh, shmups are like late period bullet hell, like uh, treasure style or cave style games where you can just, if you want to play like pacifism, you can just wait out the boss and dodge the bullets, and the boss will eventually go away. That is like a reasonable way to play those games. Not the mm -hmm. case here. Uh, there's just stuff you can't dodge if you are not being super aggressive at blowing off pieces of every boss being like six parts big. Yep, and there's definitely no real delineation of what is a part until you start like attacking it. Yeah, um, it's very trial and error. Uh, the way you will learn most things is by dying, mm -hmm. um, which is fine. It's like a way to design these games, but it definitely feels old-fashioned. Uh, yeah. When I was like, I, I would like to be reacting to things, not just dying and then remembering things. Yeah, I uh, mean that's just this genre in a lot of ways. Yeah, you know, which is why it's not like not my favorite genre, but I. I I assume at some point, you know, you get good enough and you learn to see some of the forms. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not an expert, but yes, I know that you can, people do get good enough to sight read shooters at least reasonably yes. well. Mm -hmm. um. uh, but the bosses are weird because I, I, I don't, I didn't really like most, most of them, even though I thought they were incredible to look at and to watch them go through their systems. It's weird because, like, I, I think the bosses, yeah, look very cool, but they're either, like, too random to react to, or they just kind of sit there and absorb your bullets till they blow up. There's, like, no middle ground between the two. Yeah, like, there was that, um, the Stingray one that's, like, a Stingray, uh, robot, uh, that goes between the water and these two beams that are hanging in the air. Yes. And I kind of just shot that to death. Yes. 
Uh, uh, that was, but that like, was fun. Right before you come back out in the dawn, there's like a like jumping around robot that's like just very uh oh yeah that one like very hyperkinetic and it's just impossible to follow it's just gonna like do like because it jumps like in and out of the background and constantly is just doing weird attacks um and it's like wow this thing would be cool if i could track what it's doing at all and then like two stages later you're just fighting a rick dom and that thing just sits there and lets you blow it up (laughs) (laughs) yep sure does um and also a lot of these um these bosses and these enemies designs require use of your weapons, but because the game is designed how it is, like you don't actually have as much control over the weapons as you want to, because it basically works like Castlevania, right? Where uh, it, it's you're not getting them from candles, but you do get them from the enemies, uh, and you pick up the weapon you have, and then that's your weapon. And we both chose the shot, the shot, the ship that had three slots. Uh, yeah, so we could carry three weapons. I don't know time. why you would use the other ones. Uh, I mean, like, I, it's definitely totally functional, but the game is about cool weapon pickups, so why wouldn't you just have the biggest slots? Yep. But some, if you don't balance your, like, playthrough right, you could end up in a boss without, the, like, the weapons you need to fight it. Uh, it's definitely a game designed for, like, okay, this is... I'm. It wants you to start from the start every time. There's a reason it actually wants to have uh, limited continues. Because it wants to be about building up what you have and then what you reach the next area with. Mm. Uh, but it has not made any designs or concessions towards, okay, how can I have loadout checkpoints? Can I, you know, because it's a night game from 1997. Um, uh, so it ends up making those things frustrating. Uh, I really like the blade, obviously. The blade is the standout weapon of the game. Hmm. Yeah, it's pretty um, cause, good. Because the blade is a weapon. So most of the weapons you like attach and then you fire, and they're guns of some kind. You know, maybe there'll be missiles, uh, maybe there'll be a chain gun, maybe there'll be a cannon, blah, blah, blah. Uh, the blade is just a lightsaber that goes on your gun, uh, and it stretches out and it's a beam lightsaber. And then at some point, you realize that you can swing the arm while the blade is out. <laughs> uh, yeah. And in, that's the best moment. <laughs> gameplay wise when you realize what you can do with the blade but it's such a limited power up because of how cool it is uh that you end up not really using it much and then when you do use it you use it in the most boring way to kill bosses as quickly as possible because they're hard uh whereas what i would like to be doing is just tearing through the the mobs with it there's definitely a game that has a sword is like <laughs> one of the primary weapons i can't remember what it is uh, it might just be one of the cave shooters. I was like, is it one of the cave shooters or Jamestown? Because I haven't played that many shooters, so it has to be one of the ones I've played a decent amount of. Uh, but I always like when there's a sword in a shooter because they're very cool. Uh, always sacrificing range. Like I like big, fast, like beam weapons or lasers or just a sword. Yep, I like the first near a lot. Oh yeah, I guess that does count. <laughs> Don't really think of that as a shmup, even though it has shmup elements. It has the elements in such a cool way. Oh, it's a yes. cool game. Yeah. Shame they'll never make a sequel. Shame they'll never make a sequel. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. But yeah, I, I guess that's kind of all my, my feeling about this game. Uh, it's very cool when you go into space. Though space is like dizzying. Uh, so what are you? What was your main reaction when you went to space? Was it Sonic Adventure Two? Uh, you know, that's not a bad pull. The actual thing I was thinking about is, oh, right, every time one of these games goes to space, it's totally disorienting because one of the games I played a lot of as a kid was Omega Boost, which is a mech game (laughs) that is all about just, like, wild 3D environments in a PS1, so they look bad, but in, like, a cool way. Um, 
And but in this, like, once you get space, it's just like the the background Chaos. is just wildly swinging back and forth, and like it's like that bit in Apollo thirteen where they're doing like the blind burn, and they just have to keep the Earth in the window, and it's just like swimming <laughs> back and forth past the window. Yeah, That's what is. the whole level it is. really is. Gonna, That's also a good pull. Yeah. Uh, that bit's excellent because the whole game's on Earth, and you know that space is a thing in the game, so you think, I guess they'll go to space at some point. And when they finally do, it's just chaos. Like, the uh, the power-ups no longer fall down because there's no gravity, which is not a thing. Like, most games would just have that exist as game logic rather than portrayal of gravity in the world. Yeah. Uh, but their refusal to, like... The, the, their ability to completely rethink how the design of a... 2D on rails uh, shmup works uh, in space is very cool. They, they dedicate a lot of time to making that work, uh, and it's fun. It's just one final boss that's also fairly easy as the as the bosses go, uh, and then then you then you win, then you're free, uh, and there's no more war. No more war. The uh, the big satellite coming up and attacking you is very cool. Oh, it's so good. That's cool. Finding a rocket that's currently launching into space is cool. The idea of that is cool. The actual battle, or the actual fight is very boring and bad. Oh, it's really obnoxious, because you basically just have to get in there to the the boosters and hit it with the, um, hopefully, the, the blade. But then if you go too low, you lose your weapons because you bounce off against the, the geometry. Yeah, and also it just constantly sends waves of just utter bullshit at you. Oh boy, does it! Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of that, but I, I had a good time. I'm glad I'm glad that we did it. Yeah, it's a it's a cool little game. I I hope we can do some more shmups in the future. Just like tuck them around games where we have light months or the game is small or whatever. Because uh, mm-hmm. this is a genre that I want to get more into. I just have a hard time actually doing that. Yeah, I I don't know how to get better at the machine that like. You just play more, uh, but I don't know the games that are the best suited for it because I, I don't enjoy the part where the game becomes about m- just memorizing the exact pattern, then doing that exact pattern. I want to feel like I'm getting better at a skill rather than learning a chart. I mean, it's both, right? Because eventually yes. you just mechanically get better at witnessing patterns. Like, I like mm-hmm. bullet hell games because I like maneuvering through patterns, and that is definitely a skill you pick up on over time. Yep, uh, and that's the thing I want to improve on. Um, because uh, I do, it's not like I don't like shmups, right? Like, I, I enjoy them a lot. As they go, a fairly messy one. we take questions if you have emails you can send them into podcast at abnormalmapping.com uh they can be about games we're covering or anything you want really uh and we'll talk about them uh we like talking about all sorts of stuff we have one question today and it is from uh, a longtime listener m uh, oh hello m who writes in to say uh talk about play date talk about play date no 
I know what this is. This is a thing that happened the other day, and I've completely forgotten what that word refers to. <laughs> what the fuck is a play date? Play date yes, is, is the thing. <laughs> play right. date is the new micro console being yes. pitched by Panic, uh, who's a software company that funded the development and release of Firewatch, the Campus Santo video game. Uh, but are not typically in video games. They recently announced that they're doing a small, it basically looks like a floppy disk, but it's a Game Boy that has a crank on it that plays a black and white custom games that they commissioned for this thing. And you can sign up for a mailing list to buy one for $150 when they release next year. Um, and it caused a bit of a stir in our community. Uh, and then kind of not much, like just kind of a general tech enthusiasm in the broader gaming sphere. And I kind of want to talk about that a little bit. I can't believe that there was a Soldier Boy console and a console with a crank, and those aren't the same things. <laughs> okay, yes. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a low. It's assumingly a low-powered, uh, black and white, non-backlit screen, uh, and a, a crank of some kind on the right, which already is like okay, it's for right-handed people, obviously. So that sucks, and is not not accessible at all if for people who might have disabilities or limit their use of their hands. That sucks also. Um, also, it's $150. That sucks also. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, and it's such a weird thing because, like, I look at it and I'm like, oh, it's it's literally the, the toys that you get in WarioWare, but it's a real thing. So, obviously, this is perfect. I love this shit. I want to get one. But also, I hate it because it's terrible. Well, it's, it's one of those things where, like, it is a cool thing to exist. It is yes. just a passion project that really doesn't exist to make money. It's a tech company that has money to throw around. They've done it making a thing they thought is cool, uh, which is on the face of it, like sounds fine, but it's also a tech company throwing money around by making a thing that uh, people who have $150 to throw away on a thing that doesn't do anything. Uh, like, it's you know, it, it is a toy by rich people for not necessarily rich, rich people, but, you know, for people who can afford yes. it. Yes, it is yeah. a... If you can afford to spend the money on this thing, uh, you have extra money to throw around. Because if you cared about, like, video games per dollar as already an expensive hobby, you wouldn't buy this fucking thing. It's going to have a bunch of mini games that I'm going to play, like, three times, and then I'm going to have this thing on my desk forever. It is a boutique just thing that you might think is cool. And that is, like, I guess fine, right? This isn't the problem with the game industry, right? It is not a systemic... It's, I mean, it's, it's kind of one of the problems, though. Sure, but it's just a throwaway thing that a company did. But it's not like it's not like a limited run games box, right? Like they do like limited run is a company that does like it says limited runs of games, physical copies. If you're one of those people who likes to have downloadable, like even downloadable games on your shelf, and they're hard to get, they're kind of collectible, kind of like Criterion used to be back in the day or whatever. Yeah. Um, and uh that's fine because you can still just go and download the video games and play them. Like this is an access problem because you still have to sign up for a mailing list and be willing to drop right. $150 if you want to play Keita Takahashi's strange game about using a crank to make a man move. You do. You really do. <laughs> and I need that. And I'm willing to pay that money, I guess, uh, because I can cover it on here. Like I can kind of justify this as like, Oh, I'll write about it or we'll talk about it or whatever. And that's fine. Um, and, but I'd probably do it anyway. Let's be real. I've bought stupider things for more money than that. Uh, not much more money, but I bought <laughs> stupider things for sure. Um, uh, but it's it's strange because like it evokes the cool things about handheld games. Where like yes. I have a like a dial paddle controller for my DS, so I can play Space Invaders Extreme that I had bought from Japan because Japan used to make cool things. And Boktai made you go outside to play video games and. 
Jackson still hasn't been able to get a copy of Why You Are Twisted because it has a gyroscope in it that and didn't really come I, out in their country. So. I bought one and it was just that someone had sent me a fucking just regular cart with a stick yes. on it. And I'm like, this is not it. This is not it, Chief. <laughs> this is not it. Uh, <laughs> and th- like part of the joy of handheld games, which is the thing that I've always really enjoyed, is that they're just weird and unnecessary and like kind of boutique in this way. But by putting that at, like not in these are like small passion projects that cost like $20, $30 from Japan and instead is a thing this iOS developer is releasing as like a piece of plastic uh, that you have to sign up for for $150. It just reeks of like the sort of tech culture, like artificial scarcity, overpriced paperweight nonsense that I really think is like an actual problem in the industry as much as like labor conditions and everything like the fetishization of product uh especially like high-end product is so fucking gross right it is a thing made by a company that go we had some money we did a cool thing and can only be bought by people who, who are like i have some money let's have a cool thing and the coolness of the thing and it's like um material value is of no concern right it's not like yes. this is a thing that can do lots of different things it's the thing that will open up games to different people while theoretically a device like this could be played by different people it is not being pitched as that it is for people who already care about games uh, who want this little toy as an extra thing yeah um, and it is a pure indulgence on both parts and because it's an indulgence it's easy to dismiss because it's like this this isn't this company's business muscle this isn't like you know a big a big deal in the way that a labor story would be because there's like endemic to the center of the industry uh, but it's still a trend that is frustrating and yeah. re- reminds us that this is primarily an industry uh, for people with a lot of money in the countries that are the ones that have a lot of money yeah and like um, a very specific type of access right like the, yes like this thing so far has basically been marketed and will probably o- will sell out entirely to people who like know what the igf is and who want it right <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but but those are people who absolutely want access to the games that are only going to be available on this thing uh, and are going to pay through the nose for that, which is already like a subset of a subset that is not like in a world where preservation is a problem and access is a problem. It just stacks all of these intersections of gatekeeping on top of each other to create a device that is exactly what I want and also the monkey's paw wish of everything I want. <laughs> it's also like these kind of devices or weird gimmicky handheld devices are inherently cheap culturally right they have a that reputation you could get shit like this at mcdonald's not like this specifically but i mean that like there was a time where you could just go get weird handheld stuff from places i had a weird fake tetris device it could play 99 different tetris mini games because it had different blocks on the screen there mm-hmm. was a the whole genre of toys for kids that could do different weird things with their screen and this is like definitely evoking that but it's like what if that was back and serious and cost 150 dollars yeah and you had to sign up for mailing list for it at at some like before the era where the like lcd games were just available everywhere like like a game and watch was a boutique item that a electronics company made that you you would buy for money because it was meant to be like a cool thing to have as like a fashion accessory and a thing that you would actually spend time with uh in a way that is like incompatible with like i play all of my games free on my phone uh yes uh, but you can't put lightning back in that bottle and it just ends up being like 
it feels very much like buying a Laserdisc player or something, right? Like, you do it because the aesthetic is fetishized more than the value of the object and experience itself. Like, that crank is probably fun to play with, but it's not $150 fun to play with, and it's not worth making these games exclusive where no one else can touch them fun to play with. I refuse to believe that, because that's just not true for things. Well, yeah, it's like, what if someone invented a Laserdisc player today, right? Yeah. Like... It's not going and buying a weird old thing because that's its own form of like collection yes. of old stuff is its own bottle. <laughs> yeah, uh, because of like the screen and the formatting of this thing, it definitely is meant to evoke old. Yes, things. but they've just made it now. They could have yeah. made something else, and they decided to make this and market it this way and sell it this way. Yeah, uh, and that was what the resources went to. And like that's their prerogative, I guess. So we'll complain about it on our podcast because that's our prerogative. <laughs> Yeah, but also uh, I definitely signed up for one and will probably buy it if I'm allowed to do so through signing up for the mailing list. <laughs> um, yeah, do you want to have the right to give them $150 for Kata Tiger? No, I hate it, but I probably will. I I will not. I will be spending that money on things, other things. I don't know, food. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If I ever get... My next video game purchase of any kind will probably be like new computer stuff at some point when this, because I'm worried this computer will go in the next couple of years. And I don't really have a lot of money on hand to replace anything with. Yeah. I mean, so. in a world where the PS5 is going to come out next year and I'm not going to get one, that right. makes like, when it's versus the PS5, I'm like, well, yeah, I'm going to get the cute handled thing because this thing's going to be a cool conversation piece uh, and I'll enjoy it and not buy Need for Speed Rivals, whatever its equivalent is in 2020. Yeah. <laughs> there won't be. Come on. <laughs> There's none. No more Need for Speed Rivals. You did buy Need for Speed Rivals for your PS4. I guess you have spent more money on stupider things. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I launched PS4. Didn't actually play a game I enjoyed on it for about 18 months, so I could have just waited, so... That's not worst. true. You played uh, that pinball game. Or was it pinball? Was it the bad pinball game? No, I mean, I played pinball arcade, but... Oh, pinball arcade? I okay, yeah. basically played that on my computer now, right? Like... It was it was not it was not necessary to buy a PS4 for that. I enjoyed it on my PS4 briefly for a time. Resogun. Resogun's fine, but it's not worth four hundred dollars of console for. I did not join you in the PS4 launch. No, you were smart. We're back. Hi. Uh, yeah. Hi, hi. So yeah. we recorded that uh, abnormal mapping yesterday, Sun Monday the twenty seventh. This is now Tuesday the twenty eighth, and the situation has changed, and we have to go. Oh, sorry, we were fucking wrong. Uh, we obviously were too measured and responsible when we said that the fucking play date is a bullshit thing for bullshit rich men. Uh, because they put their foot in it, Jackson. Yeah, because we were just doing general systemic critique of, like, assuming good faith on everyone and critiquing the systems and blah, 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 as we normally do. Uh, and then today we woke up and there were, like, twee cutesy emails shutting down other things that had Playdate in the name, which, as you can imagine, pretty fucking common in video games. Yeah. Uh, it was specifically, like, a games fest and, like, zine thing, right? In LA? Yeah, LA? San it is a uh, zine slash games event in LA that has been running yes. for years. Yes. Four years. Um, no, well, the, the, I don't know if it's four years. Four years in the, is in no, the now, but it's about F-O-R, four years. Oh, four years. Yes, yes. Not four years. Uh, <laughs> four candles. Um, <laughs> so they sent this email which i'm just going to read now uh because it kind of changes the tone of the situation a little uh they there's an email to uh to playdate um from panic 
um and played it being the 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 zine games fest yes um and it and it reads like this hello ben first of all uh, thanks for your work putting together playdate it looks extremely nice and fun and i hope i can attend one day i write because for the far i write because for the past four years uh, four exclamation marks in a bracket uh a team here at panic has been working on gaming hardware coincidentally called playdate got our fancy pants federally registered trademark and everything a few months ago (laughs) a few months ago someone pointed out your event to us and i wanted to give you a heads up and start chatting informally to find the best pass forward i'm really sensitive to the annoyance of naming issues having run this company for 20 years you can imagine we've experienced conflict from all sides when our dumb thing launches i feel there's a very real possibility people will start confusing your thing with our thing and that will be really annoying for your thing so ideally i think it'd be best if your playdate either tweaked its name i.e always the playdate game show or something more unique or otherwise came up with a totally different and unique name and we decided that was a good and if we decided that was a good solution i would make sure we would compensate you in some way for your time and pain in the ass factor but i don't have all the answers i just wanted to start a conversation and most of all i didn't want to surprise you with anything so drop me a line when you get a chance also if you're curious about our thing i can send you an nda and give you the full scoop best cable from panic fuck off what a way to like we develop mac software we have more money than god because we're a fucking boutique software developer we're gonna send you a nice friendly email because we get to be friendly before we send the fucking cops after you yeah like hey do you mind changing your entire identity because we've been doing a thing for fun on the side we'll Uh, graciously pay you because we don't have to but we're going to before we have to get nasty lawyers involved but we have them to get involved with if you and by the time this podcast come out they will have been like this everyone has been yelling at them for this all day like they have had to be like oh god sorry we didn't we didn't realize which the worst part is i do believe that like i legitimately believe the person writing this did not realize how monstrous this is but that's because they don't no one thinks about the power structures that they're involved no one realizes that you've got the cops behind you you're the big company yeah it's nice nice to be rich and powerful yeah you You get to be real fucking stupid (laughs) you can be very polite in your emails when you're rich and powerful and you have the cops on your side and you're not the real cops obviously yeah uh, we mean but the metaphorical cops. Getting yeah. getting sued counts as calling the cops on someone, I feel. I feel pretty strongly about this. <laughs> so do I. Uh, anyway, that's it. That's all we wanted. Uh, I went from, oh, I'm probably going to get one of these despite all its problems to fuck these people. So that's what it took. <laughs> fuck these yeah, people. No. Yeah, it took a display of just uh, sheer ignorance of the power uh, relationships involved and stamping out legitimate... Uh, communities just for this thing that no, that you have to sign up on a mailing list to get yeah yep well i saved myself a quarter of a ps5 i guess oh <laughs> uh, you could you could buy like six volumes of manga with that like that, that's I, I a could, nice manga i could get so many copies of need speed rivals at this point <laughs> you know what <laughs> 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 let's end this podcast with a bit of fact checking as i type in amazon.com and need for speed rivals. What do you want? What do you want to? What do you want to bet? I bet it costs twenty dollars because games don't actually get super cheap anymore. Uh, PS4, right? Yeah. Um. It is. Uh, the cheapest one is used for ten dollars. Yes. Um, and then goes up to twenty. Uh, is a more average price. So you know, you're not far off. Yeah. 
I was like, uh, that'll be like four pounds. No, that's that was two generations ago. Games got that cheap. They don't get that cheap anymore. That's really Need for Speed Rivals. Yeah, no one wants that. Uh, anyway, this is why we don't do topical topics on our video game podcast because then we have to record extra segments the day after, like this. We have to record extra segments, and also most of the segments are just getting mad at things. Yeah, there's that too. Absolutely, I don't like. I actually don't like being mad at things. Maybe if you noticed, our podcast trends towards positive. We try to pick games we know we're going to like. That's kind of the, the whole point, right? Everyone uh, can be mad is... about video games. It takes real skill to be positive about them in this fucking hellscape. Yeah, no, we just uh, happened to pick the topical thing this week, and in less than 24 hours, our podcast got out of date, and we had to update it. But luckily, before we posted it. Double um, dumbass on me for bringing it up in the first place. It was a very short podcast. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thanks, everybody. We're going to cut back to plugs, I guess, as this podcast finishes out, and uh, we'll see you next month, of course. <laughs> I think that's everything. Thank uh, you for the email, though. Yeah, uh, no problem. Uh, next month, we are playing a game Jackson uh, threw on our laps. Uh, do you <laughs> want to tell us what we're playing? We are playing Deception 4. The Nightmare Princess, I think. I didn't look up that subtitle, but I think I'm, I'm confident. It's like a different subtitle, depending no, on the blood, version. No, Blood right? Ties is the first one, and Nightmare Princess is the second, I think. Now I am okay. looking I'm not editing this out, so... I was right! Our version is Nightmare Princess and Blood Ties is the original. All of that was correct and true. I am good at things. Deception 4, uh, the Nightmare Princess for the PS4, the expanded version of Deception 4, which is a long-running series uh, that we know absolutely shit about. Uh, and we won't be going back to any of the lore. There is apparently lore, but it, for us it is a game where we are going to be uh, making, you know, uh, Rube Goldberg machines with which to punish people. Um, that is the that seems to be what the game is. Uh, if you could just go look at the giant bomb quick look, that's where we went and were like, what the hell is this game? Let's go look up what it is. Uh, we looked it up on that quick look and we saw Dan Riker throw a man from like a toilet to a spatula to a like, clothes horse, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and he was having a great time. <laughs> so yep. we hope to also have a great time. Uh, worth noting, when Jackson gave me this game as a one we could play, I thought that they meant Conception, the RPG, oh. about getting girls pregnant, and not Deception, the game about ladies torturing men. So <laughs> I had a very big moment of confusion. I was like, do you know something I don't know about this creepy game? Uh, and instead, we're playing a different creepy game. It was very funny because this is also a creepy, not not necessarily creepy, it is a horny anime game to be seen whether it's creepy. If it's creepy, then we'll feel betrayed. Uh, but it is You by the, the game, me by you. We'll wait to see which one's worse. Dia vouches for me, so okay. she's on my side. If the blocker of the year says the game is good, the game must be good. That's <laughs> the game the must be good. Thank you very much for listening to this podcast, everyone. Yeah, uh, where can people find us if they want to find people us? People can find us. Uh, well, people can find me at HeadfulsOff on Twitter, and they can find us at AbnormalMapping.com, where there are a bunch of other podcasts, including our new movie podcast, Repertory Screenings. Uh, it's my favorite thing to do every two weeks. Uh, we talk about movies. I'm very, I'm so excited to be back. Shoot, at some point, I'll be less like, yeah, new thing. Uh, but now I'm very, uh, uh, very much into it. What else do we have? Hmm. 
Uh, well, if you want to go to Reptoy Screenings, you go to reptoyscreenings.com, and uh, we just put out our episode on Morvern Collar, and we're about to do an episode on all the President's Men, so please look forward to that. Uh, if you want to support us in what we do, you can go to patreon.com slash mapping, and for $1 a month, you can get the Great Gundam Project, which is, I guess at this point, our big podcast, uh, which is me and Jackson watching Gundam, uh, the anime franchise about giant robots, uh, two episodes a week, every week from now until probably 2028 at this point, um, and right now we are in Victory Gundam, which seems like it's going to be a bad time for a little while. And also as a backup show, watching Super Dimension Fortress Macross, which is just the best show that we've ever seen for this podcast. So, <laughs> so it is good. a land of contrasts over there. <laughs> that's that's it. I guess that's it. I that's guess it. we are done with the podcast. Uh, you can Thank find you me on Twitter them. at EM underscore being, uh, you know, follow me. I like followers. Uh, that's all I got. <laughs> you like validation from the crowd. Yeah, validate me. <laughs>